0: You're listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The upcoming election in Detroit could have a big impact on the medical marijuana landscape in the city. Detroiters are going to vote on two proposals related to the city's medical marijuana ordinance on November 7th. They would allow dispensaries to open near liquor stores and places of worship. And they would create legal protections for grow facilities here in the city of Detroit. It's an issue that has sparked tension between patients who benefit from marijuana and need safe access and residents who don't want pot shops and grow facilities in their neighborhoods and a budding industry that has grown up around this issue in the city. Would these proposals help sort this all out or would they exacerbate the city's struggle to deal with them? We're going to spend the rest of the show Talking about these issues from a number of perspectives, up first is Butch Hollowell, who is Corporation Counsel for the City of Detroit. Butch, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Great. Uh, we, uh, we should start with an explanation of what these two ordinances are and what they would do. I, I have had a couple of conversations in the last week with people who have asked me about these (laughs) ballot proposals, and I've sort of found myself at a little bit of a loss to say, well, I think this is what would happen. So so let's start there.
1: Yes. Well, in addition to serving as a corporation counsel, I also serve on the election commission, so we actually had to put these on the ballot. Uh, So in a nutshell, let's compare A and B. A uh, deals with licensing. Yes. Okay. And that really is more how businesses operate. B deals with zoning and that deals with where businesses operate. Right. So A amends a section of the city code. And again, both of them are by initiative, which means they're. Um, they got on the ballot as a result of people passing people petitions, got signatures together, got signatures, and got it approved, and uh, and was placed on the ballot that way, um, as opposed to the uh, general way that things um, get into law in the city, and that's by city council. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a, um, so if it is adopted, it would what's called opt-in to the new changes that the state legislature made back in 2016, not too long ago. In December, uh, in their Christmas session, they adopted some new changes. And what uh, A would do is they'll say, well, we want all these new changes. So what are those new changes? Those new changes are um, edibles are now allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it used to be they weren't. So, what do we mean by edibles? You know, it could be brownies tea or brownies cookies, or cookies or something. And then uh, diff- uh, five different kinds of licenses. So, uh, a provisioning center, which we think of as again as a dispensary where you come and get your product, cultivation, which means you can grow 500 or a thousand or 1,500 plants, so you can get a license for that. A processor, so that's somebody that you know, it has the chef's hat on mm-hmm. and they're they're actually making the, you know, the, the product. Um, uh, secure transport. So that's another really key one. How do you get the product from A to B mm-hmm. in a safe manner? And finally, safety compliance. So you now have labs. So, you know, when you go to CVS and you get your Lipitor and there's a, you know, a thing on the back that says this is what you're getting, and now you have labs uh, that would say that. So... All of those things would be opted into. Um, And um, by the way, those new state regulations kick in on December 15 of this year. Yeah. So in addition, um, there are some things that uh, Proposal A does differently than the current law on hours of operation. So right now, uh, you can open at 10 and you have to close at 8 p.m. Proposal A changes that. It lets you stay open for two extra hours, so you can open at 9 and close at 9. Um, it also changes the distance requirement from certain facilities. Right. Okay. So under A, facilities can be 500 feet from a church or another medical marijuana dispensary. Under city law, uh, and again under the leadership of uh, uh, James Tate, uh, they have to be a thousand feet. Right. So it shrinks the amount this of space. This would overrule that council action, correct? It would overrule that council action. That's correct. Also, um, there's no distance requirement. So we have a thousand uh, foot uh, requirement from uh, liquor stores and child care centers and parks. There's no distance requirement for that. We have a thousand foot rule. And, uh, and finally, on A, uh, there's signage. So right now there's uh, the rules on excessive LED, um, and those those rules are taken out under Proposal A. But they do remove the words marijuana and the marijuana leaf mm-hmm. from uh, from the signs on Proposal A. So that's A. Yeah. That's how things are operated. B really deals with where they're operating. And the big change there is hearings, So there's no more hearings uh, under B. So today... Um, someone applies, let's say, online um, to the Building Safety and Engineering Department for their license. they got to get two licenses for a certificate of occupancy as well as a certificate of compliance. Um, they have what's called a special land use hearing over at, on the fourth floor of the, mm-hmm. the city-county building. And then if they um, have any issues, they then take those issues on appeal to the Board of Zoning Appeals. Under Proposal B, there are no hearings. Yeah. And so at both of those hearings today, the public has a right to be there and to weigh in and say, we really like this facility or we really don't like this facility right. for whatever reason. Um, it also, under Proposal B, changes where uh, they can be. So it expands the areas or the territory within the city that they can be. So um, now it adds uh, what's called M5, which is heavy industrial, and uh, the city currently has it M1 through M4, and, and one and four, those numbers roughly correlate to density. So it it adds a little bit of area as it relates to I mean, industrial.
0: It's essentially, getting it closer to
1: neighborhood. Right? And, and one of the things that one of the things that the city council did when they adopted these was to say that it can't be in R. Okay, so it right. re- zoned residential. Right. You want to take it out of the neighborhoods, put it in heavy commercial, heavy industrial. So those are the big changes in A and B.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, the overall picture here then looks like a loosening of the city's ability to regulate this. In other words, to, to say where, to say when, to say how you might grow, distribute, or sell, I guess, uh, the, the medical marijuana.
1: I, I would say that's true, you know, um, and um, uh, so. But you know, people have their democratic right to be able to put things on the ballot. Sure. And if enough uh, voters vote for it, if fifty point one percent, you know, vote for it, then it will become law. You know, this. Um, although medical marijuana became legal in the United States uh, with the first state, California, in nineteen ninety six. Uh, Michigan voters did adopt medical marijuana by a wide margin mm-hmm. in two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. so it was put on the ballot. And you also remember, you know, the recreational um, uh, uh, marijuana, you know, was on the ballot in uh, in the city of Detroit, and it was approved by Detroit voters. That was in twenty twelve. That was Prop M, and that passed by a fairly wide margin. So. Um, uh, again, it's out there. Um, you have a number of states. Well, the unresolved questions by these ordinances and others are, for example, banking. Um, you know, right now there's only one bank in the United States mm-hmm. that accepts um, uh, proceeds because of FDIC regulations. Um, even though it's 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 legal, okay? Uh, it's still uh, marijuana still is a Schedule One drug under federal law. And so that's why there's these thousand foot uh, distances between um, uh, schools and uh, medical marijuana dispensaries because that's what's called the Drug Free Zone Act right, right. under in 1970. So banks won't necessarily take the proceeds now. Um, there's also some tax issues involved. The uh, the state added a three percent a point of sale tax uh, on the proceeds, the first 30% of which would go to the state general fund and the balance would go to the uh, cities um, under a formula.
0: Yeah, uh, I wanna add another voice in, uh, to this conversation. Jeff Irwin is a former state lawmaker. He has been working as political director on a campaign to legalize marijuana. Jeff, welcome to Detroit Today
2: good morning thanks for having me yeah uh,
0: so I, I want to get your reaction to the to the two proposals in Detroit but then also respond to the idea that this is I guess another step toward what you would like to see happen uh, statewide and and more dramatically which is that marijuana is just legal the way and regulated the way alcohol is
2: yeah I think that we're having a coming together of public opinion, people from opposite sides of the political spectrum are realizing that what we're doing now with prohibition isn't working. It makes all the problems with drug use worse. And it takes away the opportunity for our cities and local governments to shape this opportunity in a way that works for the community and a way that works for neighborhoods. Uh-huh. and uh, Moving on to go ahead the Detroit proposal, I would say that you know, I think what you've got here is some citizens who are reacting to the city's effort to control this opportunity very tightly and perhaps too tightly. I think that people in the city have an interest in making sure that some of this economic growth and development and job growth comes to Detroiters. I think people have an interest in making sure that their neighborhoods are protected from uh, bad results. But the idea that we would regulate these much more strictly than liquor stores and that we would make it very, very difficult for anyone to operate without going through a very narrow funnel at City Hall, I think is frustrating to a lot of people. And so you have this ballot initiative, which is seeking to make it a little more open and uh, extend the opportunity to get into this business to more Detroiters. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what? how do you respond
0: to the accusation, I guess, that all of these these sort of incremental steps that get taken with medical marijuana are, are essentially backdooring what it is that you want? In other words, we, we, we sort of make it easier and easier for people to just do this as opposed to... Uh, sort of limiting it to a sort of strictly prescribed medical issue I mean there, there there's certainly people in the city who feel as though uh, the, the, the way the proliferation of these dispensaries uh, the, 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 the the closeness of them to, to things that maybe they shouldn't be close to is starting to look a lot like what it would have what would happen
2: if we just legalized marijuana anyway well, that is a good observation, but uh, I'm not trying to backdoor anything personally. I'm trying to you're frontdoor trying to front door it, right? That, <laughs> yeah, I think that the public deserves an opportunity to vote on this. I think we've seen prohibition be a massive, costly failure that uh, has ruined the lives of many of our citizens. We arrested 23,000 people for marijuana use and possession last year, and that has to stop. And I think uh, we want to front door this opportunity. The fact that so many Michiganers have signed up to be medical patients and caregivers. Mm-hmm. I do think makes that a little bit easier because folks are starting to realize as this product becomes more available that it is a safer alternative to alcohol. It doesn't have the same um, you know, negative physiological uh, characteristics that alcohol does. And people are starting to realize that if we have this... Uh, very illegal intoxicant that is much safer and less intoxicating than a legal one, that actually pushes people into more problems with drug abuse and addiction.
0: Hmm. Uh, Butch, before I let you guys go, and we'll get to another segment where we'll talk to Detroit City Council person James Tate and someone who helped collect signatures to put these proposals on the ballot. Uh, I- I'm wondering what the city's thought is about how this affects the city. How does this affect the other things? That the administration is trying to do to improve quality of life in Detroit.
1: Well, um, I, and, and Jeff, how are I you? I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, good to hear your voice. Um, we're, we're agnostic as it relates to uh, you know the, sure. the product. You know the genie's out of the bottle as it relates to that. Um, it's really just a question of how does it impact you know uh, neighborhoods and making sure that uh, it's well regulated when we first came uh to this issue uh in 2016 there were 283 medical marijuana facilities um, around the city and um Uh, And I I think people did not feel like uh, neighborhoods were consulted or uh, really brought into the conversation, which is what drove the uh, city council, I think in large part, to put some basic regulations. You do the same thing, you know, for uh, hospitals. You do the same thing if it was a pediatrician's office. You do the same thing if it was a factory. And so um, because of the uh, uh, really... um, a large pro- proliferation. Uh, there had to be some rules that were put in place. I think our enforcement efforts have been very reasonable. Uh, and we haven't lost a case, by the way, uh, in uh, circuit court. Uh, we've, um, you know, no doors get kicked down or anything like mm-hmm. that. You know, we knock on the doors and mm-hmm. we try to work with people as uh, as best we can. Uh, we, feel, uh, we feel like we've been very reasonable. Um, but on the other hand, um, and the reason we have these hearings, the neighborhoods have to be respected. Yeah, they have to be respected, and uh, and they probably weren't when it first started. Yeah,
0: okay, Butch Hollowell, uh, Corporation Counsel for the City of Detroit. Jeff Irwin, former state lawmaker, also running for a state senate seat. Is that right, Jeff? To yeah, sure that's I true. That's true. And if, that you know, well? if we're
2: going to keep this out of the neighborhoods, we've got to create a viable commercial license opportunity because right now, with it being illegal, that's what's pushed so much of this activity into the neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah. we need to start thinking about these issues in a different way, and I'm glad the city's starting to move. Yeah.
0: Okay. Jeff and Bush, thank you both for being here on Detroit today.
1: Thanks for having Thanks.
2: me. Thanks.
0: All right. Up next, we're going to continue our conversation about medical marijuana. We want to hear from you, too. 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about the two ballot proposals that Detroiters will face on November 7th that have to do with the city's medical marijuana ordinance. Joining me now to talk more about that is James Tate. He's a Detroit City Councilman. He represents District 1 in the northwest side of the city. Also here is Jonathan Barlow. He's a spokesperson for Citizens for Sensible Cannabis, which collected signatures to, pur- to put these proposals on the ballot. James and Jonathan, welcome to Detroit today.
3: Thank you for having
0: us, sir. Yeah, Thank you. Uh, James. I know you've worked really hard to to try to make this business, this this issue, sort of, uh, I, I guess, work a little better with with the citizens of Detroit who maybe don't want. All of this in their in their neighborhoods. Uh, talk about how these proposals would change the efforts that you've you've made. Yeah, so it's always
3: been a delicate balance because we have folks in the community who certainly don't have an issue with uh, medical marijuana, uh, and then you have some who are just. Con- completely against cannabis as a whole. So walking that tightrope has been extremely difficult. Um, And and even with these particular ordinances, people don't, uh, for the most part, understand them. You know, yes means what, no means what. That's been a question that's been asked several times um, within the community. Um, For me, I'm a no, personally, as a representative of the city of Detroit who listened to to, uh, the residents' voices, um, but even more so as a resident of the city of Detroit. The fact that this will allow for these particular uh, establishments to be right next to daycare centers is a problem for me. Yeah, um, That's a protection that we put in there purposefully. Um, and the argument is that they don't go inside of the uh, dispensaries, but we know that the smell and it's just a conversation that you don't necessarily have to, you shouldn't have to have with a, with the child at the daycare. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jonathan, how do you, how do you answer that? Specifically
4: uh, about the daycares? You know,
0: daycares. Well, let's talk about daycares. Let's talk about churches. Let's talk about liquor stores. Uh, does it make sense to, to try to, Sort of break down the barriers that keep these dispensaries away from those kind of
4: places. Well, there's two issues that, you know, have been have come across through the data that's been presented to the community. One is the two hundred and eighty plus medical marijuana caregiver centers that were initially operating. Nobody knows where that number came from. Mm-hmm. Who counted these dispensaries? So I think it sent Detroit into a paranoia and a sense of fear of what this industry was doing. The second thing is I haven't seen any crime stats or any data that says that these MMCCs are um, deteriorating or causing this much more elevation in crime. Um, actually, all the national data that we have says the quite opposite, that these become specifically because they're wanting to have a green light on them, where most of these liquor stores do not have green lights. Um, we're actually dealing with the industry that's trying to create safe routes to school mm-hmm. um, and safe atmospheres in their communities they're one of the most uh community-minded industries that you have
0: I guess I'm not I'm not sure that crime is the is the principal objection is it Councilman Tate? No, that's what I was leading to. So it always, whenever you're having a conversation about this particular issue, it
3: gets bifurcated into one particular, you know, group. So this group just doesn't like marijuana. This group just wants them here. They want them away from churches. It's it's the entirety of the protections that we put in place. I mean, we said a thousand feet away from churches, a thousand feet away from parks, a thousand feet away from schools, a thousand feet away from each other, because we saw the oversaturation and the industry of allowed to just uh, uh police itself has shown that it doesn't have a a, a desire to do that so um, now we're talking about these protections, many of which that we put in place after having conversation with members in the community, they're being stripped apart, you know, but it is
0: members of the community who signed the petitions yeah. to put these ballot proposals on, on the ballot, November 7th. I mean, uh, don't, don't the people of Detroit have a right to, to speak for themselves on, on this issue? Yeah, no,
3: I don't disagree. Uh, right now, since you had people who went out and, and got, uh, uh, ballots or, or, or uh, initiative signed, I think it's imperative right now that we have a vote. So I don't want anybody to pull anything off of a vote because <laughs> now's the time to have that conversation. For me, it's not about being anti-marijuana. It's about a how do we want our communities to look? How yeah. do we want them to feel as a resident? That's the biggest thing for me. And I want us to eventually potentially tap uh, opt into the state's operation where we end up taxing these entities. But I still don't want us to be in a situation where they're at every
0: corner, four or five on a block, that, like they were before. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, do you, how do you answer the, the accusation that this is sort of backdooring legalization more generally? That, that if you have this number of dispensaries, if they're all sort of just everywhere in people's neighborhoods, uh, next to things that, that maybe we don't, uh, Think is is appropriate that it's that it's a de facto sort of uh, what it would be like if if it were legal
4: anyway. It's no way to backdoor a process that isn't consistent. At the end of the day, if anyone attends the BZNA hearings, if anybody understood that the scrutiny and the lack of professionalism that the industry is being um, engaged with, uh, there will be a different tone being set. You have actually Detroit citizens and actually African Americans and these diverse groups who've tried to access this economic opportunity. And the issue is ultimately that the city never engaged the primary stakeholders in this industry. They claimed they did before the ordinance was written, but it was never, uh, that opportunity was never taken up Um, by the city to really engage the true industry stakeholders. And so ultimately, we believe that we're replacing an underground market that has existed for a very long time. We're creating safe atmospheres. And if you think that uh, there should be a limited number of safe atmospheres for this transaction of medicine to take place, then you're not thinking about the multiple sclerosis patient, the fibromyalgia patient, the patient or anybody else who wants to engage in this industry in a very professional way and wanting to give back to Detroit at the same time.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's quickly get to some phone calls here. A lot of people want to talk about this. No surprise there. Richard in Detroit. We're short on time, but I wanted to get you in here. Richard, go ahead.
5: Sure. Thank you, Stephen. Great Mm -hmm. conversation. You know, Detroiters ought to vote no. This is not a question of access. No one's attempting to deny people medicine that they need. But you know, uh, Attorney Hollowell has indicated that we currently have room under the current law for about 50 provisioning centers. There's not 50 CVSs or Walgreens, Stephen, in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more access than what we already need and what we have for regu- regular pharmacy uh, centers. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's interesting I- is that the proponents of this uh, initiative, most of them except for paid consultants, Live outside Detroit, and they can't go to their own city councils and say, Hey, we need access to this medicine because their cities have rejected medical marijuana, as you have the right to under the law. Right. So, if this is a ruse. They want to make Detroit the dumping ground for the state's vices. You know, they can. You know, try selling your home while you're having your prospective buyers drive up and smell a whiff of marijuana, which yes. no one can deny actually exists. I've driven. Richard, and,
0: wow, I, Richard, I, I really appreciate the call and the comments. I think there's a lot of I hear from a lot of people who say the exact same things. Jonathan, I want to give you a chance to respond to what Richard's saying. Well, there.
4: we we know Richard very well. He comes from Pastor Wyndus Church, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Pastor Wyndus is very against this because he just doesn't like medical marijuana, and I I can understand why his uh sentiment is so, but. Me, speaking as a minister, speaking of someone of the faith, speaking, of, uh, I don't see anywhere in my Bible to where um, it shuns uh, this plant. Um, I actually don't understand how any pastor could uh, want their congregational member or even Richard Mack for that uh, instance. I don't know why they're strongly against him when everything that they've said hasn't been supported. They brought up things like we don't think that the city will receive the tax revenue. At the end of the day, tracking traces in place, and yeah. the city is going to have excess of $12.5 million when this okay. thing passes. Okay. I would love to
0: continue this conversation for hours, in fact, but we are out of time. Uh, James Tate, First District Councilman in the City of Detroit. Jonathan Barlow, spokesperson for Citizens for Sensible Cannabis. Thank you both for being here on Detroit today. It's going to do it for me. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.